This episode is brought to you by Classical Conversations. To find out more, please visit classicalconversations.com. United Methodist Church. No same-sex weddings. No. They grow a backbone? Man, Breadline Bernie. That's my new favorite hashtag. <laughs> Breadline <laughs> Bernie. Is yes. it, is it yes. trending? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Women in combat roles. No. Federal judge. Shame. Man. Shame. In Washington State, suing President Trump over abortion policies. Where's Idaho at? Where is Idaho at? Come on, Idaho. Y'all, we are a bunch of rowdy Presbyterians, and we pack heat. Not going to eat today. We got Jeff Mao from Tenacore coming on. Yes, we do. They're a big sponsor of us. Tenacore.com forward slash discount forward slash cost politic. And then we got C.R. Wiley. C. Toxic Matriarchy. You said that wrong. C. Nope. Toxic Matriarchy. (laughs) Nope. It really, Matriarchy is toxic. Can be. Can be toxic. I don't know. Waterboy, Chalk Knox, Pastor Toby. Make sure you guys are sharing the show. Join in the club and emails if you got any questions, crosspolitik at gmail.com. Mm. And we, of course, are on the Fight Laugh Feast hey, Network. Hey, hey, have y'all been enjoying that Proverbs with Pastor Toby, though? Oh, I'm saying. Scott, I've been enjoying it. I've, it's been a few years since I've been through Proverbs, and it's fun. And, mm. and you know, y'all should watch him. I'm, I'm giving this talk to the camera, and then he's in the back, and he's like... <laughs> I'm trying to be a Presbyterian behind the camera. Well, you got me. I haven't read Proverbs this year yet, so you got me right back in Proverbs um, from from this whole club. Yeah, Proverbs thing just that all doing. that yeah. club membership content back there is yeah. so good. I mean, yeah. it, the conference that happened in January down in Florida with the Founders Conference. There's a lot of backroom interviews that we backroom did. backroom interviews yep. are so oh, good. I got like, to interview Josh Bice. Yep. Like yeah. super secret, like behind yeah. the yeah. scenes yeah. access. Yeah. If you're a club member. You get yeah. all that stuff. Ooh. So we, and, oh, we talked to Vody Bacham. We did. We did. We did. We, Tom, we, Tom we cried Askell? with Vody Bacham. We cried with Vody Bacham. Serious. Yes. We can't uh, talk about that. But yeah, it that, was, is, that, is it there? Is the club is thing? I didn't put that on the camera. I didn't. I didn't Uh-oh. release that. But but some of our conversation. Some of our him? conversation is there. Yeah. Is, is there with yes, him? Yes. So it's like you know mostly behind the scenes. Yeah. Footage. Most, there's some stuff and, that's just. And then we got us. more coming this month. Sturdy kids yep. is gonna be coming out. Hopefully, right. hopefully by the end of the month. That's right. Okay. And uh, yeah, man. More, more content. And you guys get stuff. discounts in our merch store. All that stuff. All the uh, good stuff. Coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Mm. Well, you don't get discounts on coffee because shipping is so expensive. But you can get coffee though. Yeah. But you yes. should. You should get. <laughs> and if you guys haven't had cross politics sovereignty blend, you, you don't know coffee is. All right, it. guys. So the United Methodist Church this last week. They're still a church. They're still a denomination, huh. right? Okay. Um, and you know who founded the United? Met- you know who founded the Methodist Church? No, who? Found John it? Wesley. Really? Yeah. How about oh, that? Man. So he's turning his grave right now. He, well, yeah. This might make him feel <laughs> a little better. He's been turning his grave, getting <laughs> dizzy for some decades. I know. For but some decades. The so they, they actually called a special um, uh, convention Why? to deal with the issue of same-sex marriage in their denomination. Are we allowed to marry same-sex couples and clergy, LGBT clergy? Why is there a picture of Billy Porter? That woman got a beard. In a tuxedo no. dress? <laughs> That's came, in that a came sex- from the Oscars. I can't, even, I can't even look at that, man. <laughs> mm. Why isn't it the notes guys, about the United watch the Oscars, church. which shame on you if you watch the Oscars. Because our show was on during that time. <laughs> that, that's right. Uh, Billy Porter comes out in this tuxedo with the dress at the bottom. It it's was like, so bad. Tuxedo ball gown. And it's, it's I, I don't even know who Billy Porter was until I saw it. Is he a United Methodist pastor? <laughs> oh. oh. He can't be now. Not no, anymore. No, no. He's their prophet. Not anymore. <laughs> All right. So United Methodist uh, uh, denomination yeah. convenes right. to deal with the homose- homosexual marriage to. and LGBT clergy. Okay. Now this is the the Methodist convention, a denomination. It's worldwide. 
Okay. It's not just U.S., which is important. Right. Yeah, this, this is called their general conference. Yeah. Let's get it right. It's a special, actually, is a special session that they called to deal specifically Inside with Inside the issue. general conference. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. That's right. And you had a question? Yeah. So I just, just to understand this, they taking votes on what God done said. Yeah. So uh, I just uh, trying to understand uh, something real yes. quick. Yeah. Yeah. No. So no, no, fair enough. God fair done enough. said. Here, here's the deal. So they have a, um, actually written into their church's official documents. They have something really bold and and strong that says something like, "We don't believe that homosexuality is God's best plan for humanity." Best plan. Yeah, I, I think that's what is that what it means in the Greek or the Hebrew when it best, says best plan. abomination. Best. You know, Eve translated in the Hebrew is actually Steve. <laughs> that's what they're saying. And so this, okay. not, you know. Anyway. So anyways, there was a proposal called the One Church Plan. <laughs> The one church plan, yep. which was designed to keep the denomination together, because here's the thing. So they wanted to make it a local decision. Well, technically, the papers say that homosexuality is not accepted. Yeah. And not allowed. And they say it in a real nice, gentle tones. Yeah. Matriarchal. Tones. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Toxic. But meanwhile, piles of churches have been ordaining homosexuals and doing homosexual weddings. Yeah, Already. You can see Already. that inside. Yeah. In the United Methodist Church. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so this is what was driving towards a possible split or something. <laughs> and um, But nobody was kicking these people. <laughs> Hold it. Come on. I'm trying. Try to take this seriously. Okay. All right. All right. So they, they, they call this meeting to approve the one church plan, which would keep the church together, but would basically allow various conferences and churches to do what they want, which would have done away with their official stance. And the, and the, I mean, the good news is that they rejected the one church plan and they affirmed um, what their church already says. Mm. Um, Now I'm just going to keep going. Let me add one thing here. It's important to note that they have a very loose stance on abortion. Yeah. So they have two, two sentences that they got frame problems. their stance on abortion. Yeah. They say they say abortion's a complex topic. Mm. It's really complex. And they say our belief in the sanctity of unborn human life makes us reluctant to approve abortion. Wasn't complex but to God. Then they say, but we are equally bound to respect the sacredness of life, the well being of the mother, and the unborn child. My African so, brothers need to get on that too. Get get on this uh, abortion uh, stuff as well. You know Actually, what? that's the deal. It's because forty yeah. they they said there was a number of people that were very su- shocked and surprised by the vote. Most, I think, a lot of people thought. It was going to pass. This is going to pass because because the United Methodist Church in America has been largely given over to this stuff. Well, sixty yeah, percent of the church in America voted for the one church plan, okay. so they're they're gay. But <laughs> but that's Gabe. That's Gabe. That's Gabe. Um, but forty three percent of the participants at the general conference are from overseas mm-hmm. because it's actually a global denomination. You don't have to be right. American to be part of the United Methodist Church. Yep. And because John and, Wesley preached the gospel all over the world, praise God. Yep. And forty three percent of those participants are from overseas, mostly from Africa. Yeah. And so there was actually some really strong speeches given by African yeah. pastors. Yep. Uh, the the dean of uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that Garden word. Arga. <laughs> you don't care. He did it. The School of Theology <laughs> in Liberia, Jerry Kula, said, We Africans are not children in need of Western enlightenment when it comes to the church's sexual ethics. Wow. You better preach, well, preacher. Bro, yeah. Preach, preacher. We stand with the global church, not a culturally liberal church elite in the U.S. Ooh. And so... Wow. Most folks believe that it was the strong stance of the international church, particularly 
uh, the stance of the African United Methodists he, saying we ain't we ain't going with you. He, That's he, awesome. He said a lot. I mean, you should go through and read his yeah. whole comment. Well, I, he, he had a video he, on all of it. I hadn't seen the video. I just yeah. read the There's comments. A transcript of the video. Okay, yeah. so but one of the things that he said too is that they were some conversations going back and forth of whether or not you know the Africans were just after the American doll. Right. That's, that's what I saw. I, 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 wow. the, the article I read was like, uh, it's uh, ironic for him to say that, given that these anti-LGBT leaders in Africa are bankrolled by American conservatives. Right. Whoa. And he came back and basically said, listen, we know how to be broke. Yeah. We didn't have a civil war. Do yeah. you know how to be broke? You can keep your money yeah. and your abominations. If, if it come, we, we'll handle it. We, we serve God. We're wow. not willing to give up. I, I That's was just really showing, good. I, it, was, it, it made yeah. me feel like listening to this in one sense or another. The same kind of chills that you get from like a Martin Luther King speech is like, oh, wow, that's yeah. really profound. Yeah. I kind of felt that way. It's like, this is a moment. Isn't it striking when you see a man as a pastor? Mm. When you see like a patriarch yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. as mm-hmm. a pastor mm-hmm. who, do- who doesn't care, who stands there boldly and just tells the truth yep. and yep. doesn't care. That's yep. good. It's that. so refreshing. You, you know, I was thinking about this in regards to our recent controversies we've gotten into with the PCA, the SBC, and even kind of stuff that's been going on in the CREC, um, either either you fight sins in the denomination when they're small yes, or you right. break up over abominations later. Well, yep. So there, right. there's been a huge cry for, hey, we need to keep the church, the United Methodist Church together. Unity, unity, unity. Right. And and you got to divide over truth. This actually, ti- this actually ties into the interview um, with C.R. Wiley, yeah. Toxic uh-huh. Matriarchy, because he defines... Uh, matriarchy is sort of this over uh, failure to cut the umbilical cord. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Ooh, and, yeah. and, and, too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing. <laughs> yeah. and, but I think that's what happens is I think we have maternal instincts mm. governing the church. Yeah. But, but but it's there's but truth is more important than unity. Yeah. And that's because we don't have man governing at home, though. So, you know, <laughs> or in the church. Right. I right. know. It starts but, in the home. Yeah. Because the, church. the citizens come ultimately to feed both parties from the home. And so the discipleship, of course, they, they, it has a feedback loop, but if you're doing your good job or not. But for the most part, when men are giving up that responsibility of cutting in biblical court at home, mm. then when they get out to the church and they get out to the world, they're like, what is this? Right. Well, the, and <laughs> what am I supposed <laughs> to do? And, and, yeah. and, and, and what they've been trained to do just keeps going. And yeah, so that's right. everything is, is hold everybody safe. Don't do, don't say anything hard or harsh or difficult. Don't draw any hard lines. Don't you touch my umbilical yeah. cord. And everybody keep close and unified and that's hover right. under, you know, the mother's skirts. Yeah. And, but that's, that's, now there is unity important. Yes, it is. Um, but not at the expense of truth. Yeah. yeah. Our unity needs to be in that's the right. truth. That's yeah. right. Amen. And so that's why it's yeah. worth fighting over. And right. just to use the analogy, if you don't cub- cut the umbilical cord, the, the development of the relationship with the mother and the father and the parents, doesn't happen did you say, properly. Did you say unbiblical? Unbiblical. Unbiblical cord. You got you to <laughs> cut the you unbiblical cut cord. The unbiblical cord, too. <laughs> Have Amen. you guys been watching the uh, the Democratic uh, presidential election? Is just It's going to be my laugh track for the whole year. Is, right? is so, it on Comedy Central yet? Yeah. So, of course, you guys. <laughs> you know, Bernie Sanders, of course, entered the race. Uh, Governor Inslee over Washington's thinking about entering the race. Um, uh, Joe Biden. Got permission from his family, from the matriarch, to uh, enter the race. But Bernie Sanders, now that he's entered the race, all these old clips of him resurfacing. Like he had, he was talking about, there's a clip of him like 86 talking about how he went and visited USSR. Yeah. Right? Not Russia. USSR, right. pre-Russia, right, and talking about how lovely the culture was and all the um, yeah. uh, entertainment yeah. he got to partake in. Yeah. Well, here's here's a clip of him uh, talking about uh, these kind of countries. 
You know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. It's a good thing to line up for food. That's a good thing. All right, and, and, and um, add that to your Jamaican. I reject that, the dichotomy. Thing. Can I I, can I, he said that, that bread lines are a good thing. Yes, incredible. Yeah. First of all, I reject that false dichotomy that it's one or the other. Right. <laughs> yeah, the rich get all the food and the poor don't get yeah, it. No, no, because no. largely, if there's bread lines, the rich are getting all the food. Exactly. Right. And they're telling That's you exactly how much you get on. to have. That's slavery. Venezuela, they're all lining up for food. Well, yeah. who, who's Sorry, getting? Bernie. My yeah. people have been there before. Don't like it. All right. So so <laughs> then, now this is a recent clip of him at a town hall meeting. He's running for president, so he's doing right. his town hall thing, talking about education. I'm a student at the George Washington University, which touts an impressive 73000 sticker cost. The current trends in America show the cost of college continuing to skyrocket as the workforce is becoming more and more reliant on seeking employees with a higher education background. As president, how will you work to alleviate this issue? Well, thank you very much uh, for raising an issue of enormous consequence. Look, we live in a competitive global economy, and if this economy in the United States is going to work, we need to have the best educated workforce in the world. 30 or 40 years ago, we actually did. We no longer do have the best educated workforce. And you indicated the reason why. Right now, you've got hundreds of thousands of bright young people who cannot afford to go to college. We have young people like you who do go to college and they leave school fifty, dollars $100,000 in debt. I will never forget in Burlington, Vermont, talking to a young physician and she said, Bernie, I graduated medical school $300,000 in debt. So a dentist in Iowa, $400,000 in debt. Frankly, that is crazy. We want you to get the best education you can without having to pay off outrageous levels of debt for decades. So what is the answer? The answer, in fact, is to understand that a higher education today is the equivalent of what a high school education was 40 or 50 years ago. And that means we make public colleges and universities tuition free. Oh, this is so bad. So when did first you guys off, get involved in education? Let's yeah. mark the. Oh wait. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So first off, since the Department of Education was formalized in the seventies, the cost of higher education has gone up over has a thousand percent. Skyrocketed. Has skyrocketed. And when you get the government involved, costs skyrocket. And then you add student loans in the mix, basically um, yeah. low interest money into the mix to these college students why yeah it's wh- so it's so dumb why is a college education now the equivalent of what a high school education used to be because yeah. the government got involved we call that inflation yeah. right inflation great, of everything great inflation. The, the value is yep. inflated and, right. and so the value has is reduced right. you're getting less yep. for your money yep can i just say real quick the thing that bothered me wasn't necessarily bernie's answer it was her question yeah what's wrong with you why are you asking the federal government and the, if he's elected president of the United what you States, gonna do? what are you going to do about education? Right. Are yeah, you I know, serious? I know, I know. That's, that's what right. is wrong with yeah. you? Right. That yep. is not his job or role to be concerned about your education. Oh, better, better, better. You know, give a- I'm just, we have. Preach, preach. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Look, I mean, seriously, it's not his answer that bothers me. Yeah. It's that she gave him right. the authority to answer it. Right. And they were expected them to fix it. That's not their job. Their job is right. to make sure you're educated. We need yeah. we need a we need somebody running for president who says looks their back in the eye and says nothing. 
That's right. It's not I'm my not job. Go- I'm not going <laughs> to do anything yeah. about <laughs> education <laughs> because that's not my job. That's my right. job is to make sure that there are equal weights and measures to yep. make sure that money stays relatively stable in what its value is and to protect the innocent and to punish the wicked. They need to answer that's the way that job. people answer the abortion question. I think that that's a decision that remains between the, the employee and the owner. Oh, that's Whoa. how they need to answer the question. Oh, Whoa. that's good. Yeah. Why is I, I would disagree with you about the president's job keeping inflate, uh, keeping money stable. No, that's well, true. That's true. That's the right way to measure. That's it. The does c- that the civil magistrate's job is to make sure that um, there are equal weights and measures, so that there's no false money. But and, and the problem is we're printing money, so yeah, we're exactly. helping with the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on what you mean by that, because we've the government has uh, untied things from the gold standard. I right. mean, we've we've let money go all over the well, place. That's because that's they're not so, doing. That's where we started saying. failing yeah. to do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's right. so I I would say they need to go back to a standard, okay. keep it stable, yeah, and keep it. Okay. Standardized. Okay. That's, right. that's the, There's that's a reset the, button in there somewhere. That. Somehow. But this I is also know. why on cross politic we harp, we jump up and down on the definitions of magistrates right. and the, and the, and the right. doctrine of lesser magistrates and uh, the, the spheres of sovereignty. That's what I was trying to say. The yeah. spheres of sovereignty. Yeah. Right, Education right. is the job of fathers. <laughs> so what, come on, that right. girl needs to be asking her dad that question. Right. Yeah. Right. And dad's what are you going to do? And dad's the matriarchy. Dad's, <laughs> dads need to be protecting their children that's for signing up for education that makes them dumber. And sends them out into the world uh, thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. Mm. And if this is one of the biggest areas the church has dropped the ball is with fathers protecting their families, with fathers um, uh, in, uh, um, uh, taking leadership and responsibility within their own families and within the church in well, the right way. Well, it's the church's job actually to teach the nations. The disciple. That's disciple right. the nations, mm-hmm. which means it's the church's job to to teach the world the, about these spheres. Right. So the, if right. the pastors are not saying, fathers and mothers, your job is this. Yep. Pastors and elders and deacons, your job is this. Right. Civil magistrates, mayors, governors, judges, your job is this. Yeah. And and stay in your lane yeah. because your authority is derived from God. And so long as you, you yeah. are obeying God, it's limited it's and it's for good. I, yep. But yep. as soon as you get out of your lane, you're acting like a tyrant. Well, and, Pastor Toby, I think first what we need to do is take a vote on that. <laughs> Let's take a vote on. In, anyway, well, they're anyway. they're doing that. So, do you see this judge in in Texas? Uh oh, judge Uh-oh. in Texas. What they do in Texas? I know, man. My, my, I I've been not scoring very well recently in Texas. Uh, a recently, judge, a, a federal judge in Texas has declared that an all male military draft is unconstitutional. He says the ruling that time has passed for a debate on whether women belong in the military or not. Oh. So women have been in the military for a long time, and the judge is now just saying, hey, they just need to be part of the draft. That's it. They just need to be part of the draft. Well, I mean, we kind of— I've seen this happen where fathers actually encourage their daughters to go into the military. Christian fathers. What? I know Christian fathers have actually encouraged None their daughters. None of our listeners. Shame better not be, Right. Yeah. And, you know and this decision is just atrocious. It's but not, we, we set this guy up. I, I was going to say the same thing. I feel like Darren Ooh. Doan, when, remember when Darren Doan was on the show and we were talking about the straws in, uh, what was it, California or Seattle? Oh, yeah, the, the text. Yeah, and we whatever. were talking to him about, yeah, they were removing plastic straws or something like that. Right. And he was like, well, we sold the farm a long time ago. This is what falls out from that. And yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way with this. Yeah. We kind of sold the farm. Yeah, we already basically have been insisting that they yeah. draft our daughters. Exactly. When we insisted that we open up all the combat roles to our daughters. Oh, wow. That's right. Yeah. And we said girls can play sports like football with boys and wrestle boys. Yeah. And we, we sold this farm yeah. a yeah. long time ago, and they're just building on the property. Yeah. And we're it, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's theirs. Yeah. No, it's, it re- I mean, what logical stance can you make? No, they, they, yeah, they have the right to fight in all these places, but you can't draft them. Yeah. 
What? Well, and I love yeah. I love Doug's connection and all this. He said we had women in pulpits long before we had women in, in fighter jets and cockpits, oh, right? Yeah. So this this happened in the church. Like, yeah, we we taught them to dishonor women and not protect them. That's exactly right. Because we thought that the pulpit was not a combat position. Mm. That's right. So our CREC, our denomination, I love I love what what our denomination has done about this. Yeah, a memorial of terrorism. Uh, and yeah. part reads, it's not lawful for women to be mustered for combat service, for our Lord has declared it an abomination for women to don the martial attire of a man. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. Christian fathers must protect their daughters from being seduced or coerced into a circumstance, and church must support them as they do so. It is the duty of men, not women, to protect their countries. Our denomination did that. Yeah, and uh, put that out. That's yeah, great. I, I know. I'm so grateful for it. That, that was that was in part a response to 9/11. Actually, originally uh, yeah. re- responding to terrorism. But I'm so glad that uh, the men in our denomination uh, saw this coming. Yeah. And so, in the same statement where they're we're talking about how uh, the Christians should think about terrorism and yep. think about just war yeah. and so forth, they also saw that this was coming down the line. And so, they made this very clear statement that it is not lawful to draft women it is not lawful for them to don the martial attire of a man that's an abomination deuteronomy 22 the word there in hebrew uh, is like the equipment of a man a warrior clothing or the yeah Yeah. the 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 weapons of a warrior um uh, as a warrior christian fathers must protect their daughters from being seduced or coerced into such circumstance and i like both those words because it's one thing to say yeah you can't draft my daughter but go back to your point how many Christian fathers are out there allowing their daughters to be seduced into yeah, law enforcement exactly right. or combat yeah, positions right. and yeah. saying, well, I guess if you really want to, honey, you can. Yeah. No, yeah. no, that's right. no. The church must support on this, teach on this, and that it's the duty of men, not women, right. to protect their countries. It's funny because when it comes to um, people on our side get soft right there. That's where we get soft. They're, they're all about, you know, the separations of roles. And right. um, but what but, if she really wants to? And what if she's really good at it? This is where complementarians fall fall apart when you start asking them yep. because right. you know why we can't define the role, what the role of a man is. Right. So then, therefore, we can. Ah. Right. Yeah. And we're not saying <laughs> and we're not saying a woman can't be trained to protect herself. Yeah. Uh, no, that's fine. Can still carry J- all that stuff. Jail yeah. wife of Heber. Yeah. 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 I mean, she was. She knew how to use a hammer. She knew how to use a hammer <laughs> and a nail. Right. And yep. so we're not saying she can't be trained to defend herself yep. and, and if need be, use it. But that's different than saying you're Go. going to take this on as a vocation. That's yeah. different. You're, Absolutely. Um, one of the other passages that's not referenced in this memorial, but I think um, speaking of Pastor Doug, he's used it over the years, yep. is the law that recurs through the Old Testament that says thou shalt not boil a kid in its mother's milk. Yeah, yep. that's good. And yep. I don't think we like, we don't know what to do with that because we're not used to the agrarian culture well, because yeah. of exercise god's law but too. The, but the, yeah we stop Ooh. yeah but the principle is you must not use that which god has created to give life yeah. as an instrument for death that's yeah. right and so a woman is created by god to make life yeah. to right. nurture life god gave her a womb to nurture life and to right. make life and be fruitful we're to honor that and protect that and we are not to use that and right. uh, use a woman uh, as as a lethal force, yeah. Um, as her vocation, as her calling before God, that's not what she was made for. Right. So, Washington State Attorney General, we've covered him recently. What's, Attorney what's General SpongeBob Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson. Oh yeah, he was going against the sheriffs. <laughs> the sheriffs inside of Washington yeah. for the Second Amendment rights. Right. Right. Now, right. And now he's going after Trump because I think there, there's some moves going on that going I think need to Trump? be put. To, he's going after. He's going to sue Trump um, because Trump has barred tax. Payer funding for clinics. So you mean he's going after government? No, 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 no. No, he, no. 
Get it right. Yeah, sorry. He's barring taxpayer-funded clinics from giving patients referrals to abortion services. There you go. Sorry. And and so let me let me finish this too. The Trump administration announced Friday, this was a couple weeks ago, that family planning clinics will be prohibited from providing women referrals for an abortion if they want to continue to receive federal money. Uh, a move that sets the stage for actually all sorts of um, court battles, but it also bars clinics from um, uh, having abortions in their own clinics. Yeah. yeah. So they actually have to remodel their clinics the if they want to maintain abortions yeah. and, and have two different separate walk in interests. They can't refer yes. to them and yep. they can't refer to them and they have to be separate buildings, yep. separate. It's, so this clinics. is, this is the thing that Trump did that people were posting on Facebook that said $60 million would be basically taken away from. Um, is that the same thing? I think is yeah. that this yeah, basically yeah. the same okay. sort of? It's, it's okay. two hundred and eighty million dollars worth of money, but I think Planned Parenthood probably gets about sixty yeah. million. It also opens six. up two hundred eighty-six million dollars in assistance to faith-based organizations yeah. that run anti-abortion pregnancy centers, which yep. is probably yeah. just as much what makes them mad. Also, <laughs> right, but I don't want those pregnancy centers taking that money. I know. Right. I, yeah, There's no, some cookies in yeah, there, right? Yeah, right. I know. And I get that. But you know what? Though? And I, I saw a lot of people who were like, well, this doesn't end abortion and right. this doesn't move any forward. I, first, I have to give that uh, SpongeBob some 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 props. He's got a backbone. Yeah. Boy, and it, it, he he's like going. He, he's, he's going. Fighting. He's fighting and yeah. against us. But, right. but at least it seems like what the liberals are willing to do that the conservatives are not yeah. is tie a bunch of foxes together and let them run through the forest with their tails on fire. That's right. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> and this is the thing that I think yeah. um, the. the my abolitionist brothers don't frequently get uh-huh. I mean, some of them do, but this is why incrementalism is good. Yeah. There's a certain kind of apathetic incrementalism that I agree is not helpful and problematic. Yep. And, and we they, have a lot of people still on that side right, of right. it. So yep. I grant the point. There's a problem. Hear there. that guys hear it. Well, okay? hear it? Uh, underline, underline. Okay. <laughs> but the deal is, is when you're in a war, you throw everything. Yeah. You shoot everything. Yep. And and yes, we have to have the end in sight, and you need yep. to say, what are we doing? We're ending abortion. Yep. That's, That's, what right. we're yep. That's what we're doing. But yep. Trump is throwing everything at them. Yep. We ought to throw everything at them. The liberals have been doing incrementalism for years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's why they're winning. But yeah. they're, they're smash mouth but incrementalism. Conservatives have been doing incrementalism, too. They've just become more liberal but, over time. But, that, but yeah. that's the problem. They've been incrementally it's not, becoming more it's liberal. It's not real incrementalism. <laughs> and that's, no. why, that's why I think the abolitionists are seeing, like, hey, you're not throwing yeah. everything. So let's Tie the fox's tails together. Put a torch between them. Send it into the field. Right. All right. Yeah. See our next on Cross Politics. That's right. We, that's right. Toxic matriarchy. You got me stirred up mm. now. Mm. CR Wiley. Classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical, Christ centered curriculum, local, like minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and we train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit our website at classicalconversations.com. Classical, Christian, get connected, get community. If you need a little red meat in your diet, Pastor Doug Wilson. Any magistrate who does not see mankind as created in the image of God is a magistrate who is not qualified to rule. He needs to be frog-marched out of office. He is a tyrant and a despot at the root before he has decided to do anything. This is because whatever he decides to do is going to be based on his assumption that human beings are just meat, bones, and protoplasm, and that assumption necessarily leads to carnage. Evolution is a god of blood and always will be. To enjoy more red meat of this kind, check out the podcast on iTunes or for more blogging of this particular nature, blog and may blog at dougwills.com.
kind of sticks in your teeth, don't it? Welcome back to Cross Politic. Are you okay, Toby? I'm doing great. (laughs) (laughs) The best morning ever. (laughs) Somebody grab that coffee from this man. With us now on this segment. Y'all be quiet. I got stuff to say. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. right. We got pastor, author, C.R. Wiley, Mm. pastor Chris Wiley. Uh, He is... Coming to Moscow for, for Grace, Grace Agenda, agenda yes. which is uh, the theme this year is Keep Your Kids mm. or Keep Your Kids. Keep your wow. Kids. Keep Your Kids. Um, Chris is a pastor in Connecticut, of all places. Um, he's written for Touchstone Magazine, Modern Reformation, Sacred Architecture, The Imaginative Conservative, Front Porch Republic. I could go on. Wow. He's also uh, the author of the fantastic book we've actually plugged it on the show before called man of the house a handbook for building a shelter that will last in a world that is falling apart Mm. um he is also a fiction writer um he you have a book called the purloined boy is that right chris yeah that's right in fact it's published by canon press hey very good we know those guys so um uh we're really grateful chris is coming out to speak at grace agenda it's april Fifth and sixth, and and it's it's free. We actually don't charge yeah. for this conference, and so we all, don't charge all, for grace. We don't charge for grace. Yeah, grace. And all you have to do is get in your car, put some gas in it, come out here. Yeah. That's it. It's put free. Some, put some gas in your yeah. airplane and just come on and, over. And we have a kind of a, a, a leadership, a, a men's leadership uh, workshop seminar on Friday, and the conference kicks off uh, Friday night. We also have a women's seminar on Friday, also, and then of course Grace Agenda kicks off. Uh, yeah, and Friday and night while um, while uh, Pastor Chris is out here. He's also giving a talk at the University of Idaho, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just going to be a, just a real, you know, gentle, friendly yeah. chit chat. A good diversity talk uh, entitled <laughs> "Toxic Matriarchy." Ooh, I, I think you got that wrong. No, it's called uh, "Toxic Matriarchy." <laughs> yeah, it's not a thing yet. So, anyways, <laughs> Chris, thanks so much for joining us on Cross Politic. Yeah, I'm really glad to be with you guys. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So, okay, you're giving this talk called Toxic Matriarchy. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I think essentially what we're talking about is too much of a good thing. And, you know, mothers are great, and um, we uh, hopefully have all had good ones. Uh, and mothers bring the, uh, you know, the nurture that we need when we're young. Uh but over time, as we grow older, uh, that n- nurture is uh, required less and less. In fact, it's essential to becoming an adult to to cut the umbilical cord, you could say. Yeah. Uh, but we live in a society today that's uh, taken uh, nurture to the next level, and that's why we have safe spaces and mm-hmm. people aren't allowed to take risks or take responsibility for themselves. We have all these institutions in our society that are designed to keep us from, you know, hurting ourselves and so forth. It's like the old Volvo commercial, safety, safety, safety everywhere. (laughs) And because of that, people aren't growing up, people aren't taking risks, people aren't doing the things that we really need them to do. So that's why, uh, you know, I'm addressing the subject of toxic matrix. It's it's too much of a good thing. It's like water. It's essential, but you can have too much. And uh, we call that drowning. (laughs) And I think we're kind of drowning in nurture in our society Mm. today. Now, when I, when I first heard the terminology, your terminology, toxic matriarchy, I was kind of thinking, 
more of a connection to, to feminism, um, you know, toxic matriarchy. And is, is there a connection that you're getting at to with feminism? Well, there is, uh, I think. Uh, feminism is, a, is an interesting thing because it's very unfeminine. If you know what I mean, yeah, that's right. That's um, right. Preach. It's, it's, it's essentially feminism is a bunch of women who have adopted sort of a, a masculine approach to things and uh, want to sort of compete with men in public uh, spheres, public arenas, and so forth. And uh, but uh, paradoxically, often they'll make the case for being, you know, uh, in the public square uh, by saying they'll bring with them. You know, classic uh, virtues that we associate with with women, care and and you know, caring for those in need and, and people who are weak and people who need help and so forth. Um, but uh, and and so, in a sense, you could say that feminism has uh, some role in this. But I, but I think the thing that I that I detect uh, is that you know, even men are feminizing in the sense that they really don't believe that they bring anything or they've been sort of deluded into thinking they don't bring anything to the world as men. Uh, they can only, you know, uh, have a positive role in somebody's life if they become more nurturing or, mm-hmm. or something like that. So even men are becoming more motherly, I, I suppose you could say. Huh. And, and that's, you know, taking things uh, to a point where, you know, this... Uh, it's ubiquitous. It's sort of like the, the 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 master virtue that we all have to conform to is nurture. So you mm-hmm. see it in churches with the failure to discipline. You see it even in the way people think about uh, standards. Standards have to always be couched in terms of you know care rather than upholding standards and so forth and growing up and that kind of thing. So as a, so, so so feminism has has a role, but but. Um, uh, I, I think that what I'm getting at is this idea of taking something good too far. Right. So uh, that's interesting that you say that because every time people ask me about my diet and they say, do I want some lettuce on something? I said, hey, you know what? I'm actually trying to cut back because it's too much of a good thing. Right. So I don't <laughs> I can totally I, I completely identify with that. Like but, lettuce. Like lettuce. You know, okay. too much of a right, good right, thing. Right. He said yeah. what? Hey, yeah, he, I, I, I t- yeah. I tell people that, uh, you know, I'm a. Uh, you know, cutting back as well. I've, I've, I've not eaten lettuce in years. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that when I was, you know, when you talk about this, it seems like men are helping cultivate this too much of a good thing. But, but yeah, how are they doing that necessarily? Yeah. Well, I think partly it has to do with our fear of offending people, uh, of sort of hurting feelings. You know, and, and, and this is where we do see this, particularly in places like... Uh, you know, public universities or private universities where we have safe spaces and no one's allowed to hear anything that they disagree with or might hurt their feelings or anything like that. Um, it, it's this, this, basically we want to kind of turn everything into a womb, sort of a safe, uh, sheltering environment that's warm that, you know, you just sort of float in amniotic fluid and you never are disturbed. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of the world we're in right now. And if you want to be, if you want to be labeled mean, you just tell the truth. Yeah. That's 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 like uh, something that we cannot tolerate is anybody who is, says anything that would disturb anybody. It, it seems like this has drastically affected our conversations and how we talk about, like, let's say, the sin of homosexuality in our church. You know how we right. how we talk about even like headship and submission. Um, right. 
and kind of other, I guess, taboo topics that the first way anyone wants to couch the subject is you need to be nice, you need to be loving, you need to be kind, and then we can start voicing our opinion about the issue. Well, yeah, and what that hap- you know, sort of what that reflects, I think, is a, a failure to believe in boundaries and standards and that there really is something called hell. In other words, there huh. will be a point at which things are divided where, where, you know, this is kind of what Steve Lewis was getting in that great little book, The Great Divorce. Mm-hmm. And, and what he was, he was saying is that uh, there will be a parting of the ways at some point yeah. uh, that's final. And uh, if you really believe that, it does a couple of things for you. It tells you, first of all, this is really important that we talk about this now. <laughs> but the other thing yeah. is that uh, there can be, uh, you know, in the interim, you know, boundaries established that reflect the final boundary of heaven and hell. Right. So we can have, you know, standards to say that you know, if you don't, if you don't abide by the standards of this. What, you know, institution, family, whatever, you're out. Yeah, yeah. You're just out. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to apologize for it. We're not going to try to pretty it up. You're just out. Yeah. And we can, and we can do it without having, you know, you know, to, you know, shout or anything like that. It's just, yeah. there's, there's really nothing to apologize for. You want us to apologize for standards. So that's why I refuse to apologize for telling the truth. Yeah. But, um, give, give a word to maybe young Husbands, young fathers who are trying to establish a home. Uh, you just you wrote a book about man of the house. Um, it, give a word to young young husbands, young fathers. How do they um, honor their wife in the right way, um, but also uh, establish um, that that they're not uh, they're going to protect uh, their family from toxic matriarchy? How do, how does a how does a young father husband do that? Well, I think you know. There are a couple of things that have to happen. One is, is you have to realize as a man you bring something to the marriage and your wife brings something to the marriage and they're not the same thing. <laughs> so you, yeah. know, you can have too much patriarchy yep. uh, and you can have too much matriarchy, if you, if you see what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of corrective. So uh, you know, in that uh, talk I'm going to give, I'm gonna, I, I've got a couple of fun stories, but I think this is the one that illustrates it well. Um, and if you don't mind it, I could share it. Sure. Yeah. Go for it. So anyway, we have a pretty good sized youth group at my church and this does relate to the question of how men establish standards, but, but it takes me a, a minute to get there. Okay. <laughs> so we've got a pretty good sized youth group in our church, about 50, 60 kids go to West Virginia every year to, to, you know, work in this particular neighborhood where they help old, you know, grandmothers, but, you know, fix up their houses and, and so forth. And over the years, we've done this for like 15, 16 years, we've seen kids grow, you know, go from childhood in, in the vacation Bible school that we sponsor along with the, all of this home repair stuff yeah. into teen, into teenage years. And what we've, what's happened is, is that, you know, these vacation Bible schools are, are all about loving on the kids and that's great. But, there's then this expectation that, that that because of that love, these children would stay off of drugs, wouldn't get pregnant, kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it didn't happen. Those kids got into that stuff anyway. But there was a kid who uh, came to see us who had a tr- you know uh, you know a tremendous story to tell. He had been part of our 
vacation Bible school, and he was going to be going to Marshall to college. Yeah. And so we were all excited, and the kids were delighted with this. And then the next day he came back, he said, um, I'm, I'm afraid I won't be able to come back. Uh, he was dropping off his siblings, and, and some of the girls asked, well, why is that? And he said, and this, by the way, this, this young man was a black young man. He said, uh, my father told me that I shouldn't be going down to the church to flirt with all those white girls from Connecticut. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so none of the girls understood what was going on. But yeah. when, I, when I heard that, I said, i got to meet this guy. <laughs> and, yeah. It turns out my suspicion was right. He was a man, oh. and he was a big one, Yeah. and the kind you don't, you don't mess with. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting at a table in the Pizza Hut, <laughs> uh-huh. and his family was there at the table, just this long table, and everybody looked healthy and happy, but he looked like a mountain mm-hmm. looming over this fertile valley. <laughs> and I said, there you go. This is a guy who holds... Uh, you know, standards up for his family and enforces them. He's, in other words, he brings something to the lives of his children that his children respected. His, his, this, this, this young man didn't resent his father's, and he didn't uh, rebel against it or resist it. Yeah. We didn't see him the rest of that week. Yeah. <laughs> so now, could a mother have done that? Well, I suppose so. But uh, I think that it's, uh, for different reasons, easier for that guy to do it. Yeah. And, and that's, what I'm, uh, that's what I think a, a man needs to think about when he thinks about what do I bring to my kids? What do I bring to my wife? So when my wife and I, I know, were raising our kids, our kids are all grown, and by the way, they're all, they all know the Lord, and so I can say, you know, I'm at this conference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, keep your kids. We kept the kids. Yeah. But, mm, praise God. But uh, early on, I said, I've got two jobs. I've got to protect you from the kids. In other words, re- you know, enforce some boundaries for the, for the kids so that they respect their mother. Right. And then I said, I've got to protect the kids from you. Mm. Mm-hmm. She didn't understand that. Yeah. <laughs> but, what I was, but what I was getting at was this very thing. Uh, nurture uh, without standards becomes toxic huh. yeah so so help me with something because one of the things that's inside of when you were talking about the womb earlier i was thinking about this point in time where you know there's a point where you need a certain type of nurture just to for basic development just to get your arms just to get your legs just to be able to grow and then there comes a point where the ambiblical cord is cut and you're removed from the womb it seems like in, in nature, we understand that just the way the guys in, in general revelation, we understand there's a point that you come from the womb into life. You start walking. But when you're raising a family, you don't always see those lines so clearly. At least our culture has removed that, that we don't know, especially yeah. the guys with new families. So for guys who are listening to this, how do they know? What are the signs that they need to st- when does the cutting start? When does the dividing start in the family? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's 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 graded. I mean, you know, obviously when kids are small, you know, Dad is, uh, you know, wrestling with them on the floor and just enjoying their company and that kind of Now, of course, he needs to make sure that they're doing what their mother wants and that they demonstrate respect and so forth. But I think uh, one of the ways I've described it to people is that when a child is very small, the mother is tremendously important. But over time, the father becomes more important. Huh. So by the time that a, that a child gets into the ugly years, you know, the teen years, <laughs> that's when you're, that's your day, dad. That's your day, father. Huh. That's when you are huge. 
And a lot of guys don't like that. A lot of guys want to kind of keep the the warm, fuzzy thing going uh, into that phase of life. Now, it doesn't mean you become cruel or abusive or anything like that. It just means that your your role at that point is is to take the child and introduce the child to the world. Yeah. Mm. And this is why the studies that have looked at this, uh, you know, have have reported that that children whose fathers take them to church are much more likely to become church people or, or believers themselves yeah. than children whose mother takes them to church alone yeah. uh, without the father. Mm. And in fact, we, all, we also know that if a father takes a child to church and the mother doesn't go, the child is still more likely to become a believer, yeah. uh, mm. to exercise faith for himself or herself, because a father represents adulthood. Yeah. Um, and whether feminists like that or not, it's the truth. Ooh, ouch, ouch. What 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 makes you like so well known and understood on feminism? Why are you the standard on feminism? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. I just know uh, what uh, I know, and and, <laughs> and he don't care. <laughs> he, don't, he don't care. I said what I said. <laughs> Now, now, Chris, you, uh, I've picked up in a couple places. I don't know if I, I got it all right, but you didn't exactly have a normal home life growing up, did you? No, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My father was an academic and my mother was something of an art lover. And so I grew up around college campuses. I, I grew up in very liberal environments, you know, and if I were to show you pictures of my extended family, it's all artists and, and, uh, and academics and stuff like that. You'd hardly believe that somebody like me is possible. From that <laughs> background. So, so, so I, I know, I know that whole scene. I, I, so as a kid, my father, this is the sixties, early seventies. My father was kind of a seeker. You know how that is. And yeah. he got involved in Scientology. So my childhood was in Scientology. Okay. Wow. And then, then he abandoned our family when I was about 11 years old. And then I was in the projects and then, in you know foster care and stuff like that, and I never went to school. I I hated school. I hated the eighth grade so much I took it twice. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so you know that that was kind of the world that I was part of. Yeah. So kind of and the, kind of both phases. And, and the weird thing is I'm actually kind of from money, you know, in terms of the family. But my father was kind of a black sheep. Okay. So I, I've got some background in in just all kinds of weird stuff. So so real quick before we go, I. I got to throw this out to you right now. There, a federal judge is talking about the idea that now that women are inside of the draft, or in, now that women are in inside of the military combat. in combat, that it's it's unconstitutional not to have them drafted as well. It's, they're not playing fair since they can't be drafted, right? So, but when you hear that, and, and in light of what you're talking about, what's your first thoughts on that? Well, historically, men fought for their homes to protect wife and children and so forth. And what, what this is, uh, is just one more instance in which, uh, you know, sort of the centralizing impulse of the state in the name of liberation uh, is intruding and uh, sort of breaching the boundaries of the household. Huh. And I think mm. it's, uh, it's something that's uh, wrong, and uh, it actually undermines the very reason that many guys want want to serve in the military in the first place, so that other people don't have to that aren't capable of it. Yeah. And I and I think that's the biggest problem I've got with that. So, Chris, how can fathers protect their daughters from looking at what's happening right now with the draft and say, um, "No, not you, baby." Well, I would say, you know, I, I joked with my daughter that I'll, I'll buy you a ticket to Canada. I'm not sure that's a safe place to go, but. <laughs> 
you know, you just have to do what you have to do to, uh, you know, intervene in that situation. Now, you know, obviously that's kind of a drastic measure that I just mentioned, but uh, I think mm, civil disobedience <laughs> is something that we have to be more and more uh, willing to accept. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, you know, and, and just as we close here, I, I can't recommend enough Man of the House yeah. by C.R. Wiley. If you haven't gotten it yet, it's one of those books that I think every – 19 year old man needs yeah, that's right. i wish i wish i had re- i wish you had written this 20 years ago chris <laughs> um and uh but i'm so grateful that you've written it i'm also grateful that you're coming out to grace agenda come meet him in uh-huh. person in moscow april, april 5th and 6th and 6th yes. <clears throat> come see him give this talk at the u of i i I can't imagine that it will be boring. <laughs> <laughs> Not at University of Idaho. Yeah. Hey, hey, Pastor, what's your website real quick? That's uh, crwiley.com. So C- it's com. Very right. good. All right. When we come back on Cross Politic, Jeff from Tenacore, right. one of our sponsors, is going to be up next. Can't wait to talk to him about guns and protecting your house. It's going to go perfect together. Yeah, yeah. let's go right More yeah. Cross Politic when we come back. It was like someone did that on purpose. (laughs) If you are a homeschooler, we have an app for you. Check out Learnly.me. With Learnly, you can capture your family's learning experience anytime, anywhere, and it's all pushed into a digital portfolio that allows you to create classes, grade work, a family learning experience, and generate transcripts all with a single click, something you know all homeschoolers should be doing. And for cross-politic listeners, use discount code LEARNLYCROSS to get 50% off the first three months on a monthly subscription plan on top of 30 days free. So head on over to LEARNLY.me forward slash cross-politic. That's LEARNLY.me forward slash cross-politic. At Logos Online School, we believe learning should be accessible. Homeschooling shouldn't stop you from staying connected. Enjoy classmates from across the United States and the whole world coming at you four days a week and 32 weeks a year. We believe learning should be engaging, a group of like-minded students who love God and their classmates. Learning should also be customized, with more than 50 different classes offered throughout the day. Take one class or join us full-time. We believe learning should be inspired. Our knowledgeable instructors enthusiastically engage the students. The goal? Hearts that love learning. Lastly, learning should be affordable. Committed to making Christian education reasonable for all families. From $620 per class for an entire year to $2,232 per year for full-time students. The best option on the market. Join us at Logos Online School. I messed up on the coffee. I'm sorry. I don't know. I I did. I thought I'm sorry. Toby was happy. And he's 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 a different person today and he was happy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Cross Politic. I shouldn't be able to mess up on this coffee. Mm. I think it was good enough. Good. Yeah. Good. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. With us on this segment, we have Jeff Mao, the head and strategy, head of strategy and development, and founder of Tenacore. Yes. Uh, one, one of Cross our, Politics. Yeah. Corporate sponsors, did thank I get that you. right? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, hey guys, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Jeff. Um, Tenacore is a tactical products design, development, manufacturing company. You're looking at it right Ooh, there. Um, Tenacore also provides performance and tactical training, which I just found out about this morning. It's not loaded. Tenacore <laughs> believes that the mission drives the equipment, 
Based on this, Tenacore has developed intelligently designed products for law enforcement, military, private citizens, and Tenacore, the Velo holster. You got a Velo holster over there? Is that what that is? It earned the Golden Trigger Award at TriggerCon 2018. Wow. Is Is that right, Jeff? That is correct. Um, so I'm, I'm holding just this little piece of paper, but you got the real thing right over there. It so is so it's like a, a winery wins an award. Yeah. Jeff wins an award with for his product. Concealed yeah. carry yeah. Uh, holster. So, um, Jeff, mm. thanks so much for being on the show. Why did you found Tenacore? So, so some of the founding principles for Tenacore is the priorities of survival of mindset, tactics, skill, and equipment. Uh, and so... I felt like I, you know, I have my tactics and skills and the, I didn't have equipment that supported that in the way that I felt it should be supported. Okay. Uh, and so I, my, my background is in law enforcement as a police officer and uh, patrol and SWAT. And uh, I often found that I wanted to do business a certain way and I didn't have equipment to support that. And certainly carrying a gun with me every day is something that has for a long time been an important part of who I am and what I do. Yeah. Um, and trying to create um, holsters and support equipment that allows me to do that every day in the kind of an unencumbered way that fits with my lifestyle. Um, I didn't have fine stuff that that fit with that. And so, you know, years and years ago, I started working through different designs and trying to work through things that um, supported that and allowed me to carry a gun on a daily basis. So you actually, it, I looked at, did some research and it looked like you started developing and researching and engineering your own concealed carry holsters back in like 2007 or 2008. And then uh, you- yeah, around, around that time is the first time I started working through stuff. Uh, at the time, most of the stuff was handmade um, mm. and performance was good, but it was like a handmade thing. Well, and I, yeah. from my perspective, it didn't, well, it wasn't something that I was willing to offer to the public for sale. So you've been kind of um, working on this for 10 years, really before you, you went uh, public with your products. Yeah. I mean, it was, 2017 that we put stuff something out as a so it's you know over 10 years of wow. kind of working through designs and working through different processes to figure out how do we okay. how do we make something that performs at the highest level and how can mm. we do that consistently and efficiently enough that it's worthwhile offering a product to the public for sale yeah so so even though i'm from texas i'm a little <laughs> novice yep. about this kind of stuff <laughs> and and some of your development and some of your engineering is lost on me um, okay. you know, what, what are you, what are you doing? Let's just, just speak to the Velo that, um, Knox has. What makes this thing so yeah. amazing? Yeah. I, what I makes had... it, and what distinguishes you from some other, you know, holsters? Um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of good products out there on the market. Um, the, you know, obviously I'm biased for our products. <laughs> um, and it's a lot man. of it is subtlety. Uh, so like one thing would just be the fit of the holster. Yeah. Um, the fit of the gun in the holster. So I grew up on like high end horse hide, um, custom leather holsters and that, like kind of yep. that sure, yep. Yep. um, positive, secure fit of the gun in the holster was yep. something that was very important to me. Yeah. And I've kind of transitioned that into the molding in our, um, thermal formed FedEx holsters. I call that a true size fit because it's a kind of a true fit of the gun in the holster. Yeah. Um, and that provides for both the security of the gun in the holster, but also the speed and the performance of Kydex. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Velo specifically, so basically, um, I've I've been carrying appendix or basically forward of the hip point for um, years now, and trying to find it's it's kind of a finding the right holster and the right mix of features to really make the gun disappear yeah. is uh, has been a challenge, um, and I think 
you know, trying to integrate all the features into the actual holster instead of things that are added onto the holster is um, other people do similar things, but kind of the refinement that uh, is done in the Velo is is unique. Um, and then really trying to put put the angles and put things in such a way that it anatomically fits well with the body and um, interacts with the body in a way so that, you know, ideally you don't even know that you're carrying a gun. Yeah, so you can exactly, wear normal yeah. clothes. Yeah. You can have a, a full or mid-sized gun on. You don't have to carry some tiny little subcompact like yeah. 380 or 25 ACP. Watch it. You can carry a real gun <laughs> all the time. <laughs> But you know, one, of the, one, one of the things though, that what you just said is absolutely right because I worked with Darren Doan on the gun doc and that was eye opening. What's see, that called? It's mm-hmm. called keeping bear. It's on Amazon. So you have Amazon sure. prime. You can watch that, that gun doc. And one of the things that the questions that he kept asking was, you know, what, what's the best gun to have? And one of the trainers said the one that you can keep on you all the time. And when I mean sure. all the time, I mean all the time. Yeah. When you wake up, it's on you. When you, when you, before you go to bed, it's on you. When you're in the shower, it's next to, you know, you, you have it with you all the time. And if that, if that's true, and I think it is, then you got to find something that's comfortable. So then that makes you choose your guns differently. And, and yeah, yeah, I would actually argue that when you're looking to select a gun, perhaps the way to start is not with the gun itself, yep. but with the supportive equipment that allows you to carry it with you every day, oh, which is, I think, the point you're starting to get at there yep. is, you know, you got to have the gun with you all the time. Yeah. So, if this holster or this belt and the, these items allow you to carry that all the time, well, and if they only make it for these 10 guns, then yeah. that you've just but, narrowed your selection. Yeah, and, that narrowed and, it down. That's, that's exactly helpful. what yeah. I was going to get to because I, I like carrying my 45. I want something a little more heavier to some punch into it. And actually, if you're <laughs> accurate, you know, so, and you actually got on me about that because I was like, hey, I, I, I love the holsters. Yeah. So where's my holster for my Smith and Wesson 45, bro? Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> probably not going to happen. So, so one of the things about Kenicor, uh, um, a lot of holster makers are custom shops. So they'll make any holster for any gun, and they'll buy a bunch of blue guns, and they'll press whatever you want, and they right. have thousands of SKUs. Yeah. Um, we are not a custom shop. We are a production shop. And so we make holsters for the guns that we believe people should be using and are um, popular for as for professionals and for private citizens who are actually um, thinking about it from a practical perspective of using a gun to save their life to deal with a violent confrontation and that's the reality is even though there's lots of guns out there the selection of that stuff is fairly limited and so that is our focus that's good so we inventory and we hold stock on all of our stuff our holster ship same or next day um, I think about, you know, Amazon is my competitor and I want to get stuff out as quick as I can. So yeah. we ship same or next day and you have it within a day to three days max. And I wow. can testify to that because I got mine real quick. And just yeah. so you know, like you changed my perspective on this. It, this wasn't supposed to be a real fight. I was going to let you know you won because <laughs> I, I, I wanted to carry my 45. I didn't want to get like a Glock 45. I, I didn't want to get something that, you know, was big and bulky. But when I put on... This holster with my nine millimeter, I was like, I can, I'll carry a nine because I feel more comfortable with this holster and this gun than I do my forty five. And if if this is the case, I'm willing to get a larger caliber Glock because this holster is so comfortable. I hardly know that I have it on. I forget about it, and, and I'm trying to figure out like, what did you guys do? Because I've been carrying guns, uh, concealed carry for for years, but I haven't ever had a holster this comfortable. On me, and I'm trying to figure. What would you guys do? What? How did you sell your soul to make this thing? <laughs> uh, the I, I, honestly, I think the difference is just like the perspective. 
like so one one would be like I care like mm. designing a product that actually works that allows you to carry a gun every single day mm. um I care about that that's yeah. like the foundation yeah. and it is actually important not just something that looks cool I mean we also you know we make this really cool shade of red if you want red it really looks a lot like black we make this cool, really cool shade of green if you want green, but it looks a lot like black. Right? So it focuses on like the practical, actual carrying of the gun. I see what he did there. The yeah. flash and pomp and circumstances yeah. around carrying a gun. Yeah. Um, and, and, and ultimately, like, as you know, the bulk of our stuff is sold to private citizens, and that's great. Um, but really, my, my focus is building product for people who are going to use it on a daily basis Every for day. their job, yeah. um, whether they are domestic or they're people who are overseas doing stuff, um, whether that's gathering intelligence or whatever else it might be, and they need to carry a gun. And if someone sees they have a gun, you know, they're yeah. going to get rolled up on that's and right. thrown in some foreign prison or cause some international crisis. And that, wow. you know, when I think about designing wow. a holster, um, and designing products. Those are the people that really are like the core audience I'm trying to design for. Um, and, the, and, and that is the perspective. I'm not, so, you know, I, I think as a tangentially, um, we then make a good product that works out great for the average person yeah. because you can wear normal clothes and carry a gun. Um, but the, fo- the core focus of what we're trying to do is make products for people who really need to carry a gun mm. and have it with them um, and are probably going to have to use it at some point. So Jeff, their, um, day-to-day basis. So Jeff, talk to somebody like me who doesn't carry regularly. Um, sure. And why, um, why should people and maybe particularly fathers, husbands care about tactical home defense and um, why should we consider carrying? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think it is important. I don't think everybody needs to, um, you know, not everybody needs to be some people you don't want carrying. Everybody needs to play the guitar. <laughs> Sure. Um, but we, but somebody needs to, right? And so it's important to have those people within our society and our culture, people who are willing to use tools to defend themselves and the people they care about. Um, when we think about like the average person and them doing something with like carrying a firearm, it goes back to tactics, mindset, tactics, skill, and equipment, right? So the the what gun you carry and how you carry it really is not as important as kind of your mindset and your perspectives. Towards it. So the first thing I think someone needs to ask themselves, are there people in this world that need to be hurt or killed based on the, the things that they do? Huh. Um, and if you, a lot of people will say yes to that. But then the next question you need to ask yourself is, do you, are there circumstances under which you believe you're that person that needs to stand up and defend yourself for the people you care about and potentially hmm. under the right circumstances or, or under the necessary circumstances, use lethal force against somebody. Right. right. And if you can't, you have to ask yourself that question. If you can't answer yes to that, then you probably shouldn't have a gun and you shouldn't carry a gun. Yeah. Um, and getting that straight <laughs> first is the thing to that's consider. Um, but once you've answered that question, you believe that's the case. And that might be a mom who is like, I'm concerned about my little kids and I want a gun to defend myself and my kids. And she may not insert herself in some other thing, but she might want to defend her, you know, have tools to defend her family. Um, Or it might be the father or the husband who um, feels the same way about his home. But then it also comes to not just do I have equipment, but what are the tactics that I use? Yeah. Right. Do I have a process in place? Like, like you pay taxes and you, there are armed men that you drive around your, your community and it'd be better to have them solve the problem. Right. And so what are the tactics and skills you can put in place 
to ensure that they can get there to solve the problem for you. Um, and, and in a worst case scenario, you have to use lethal force. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, do you you hear a bump in the night? Do you go grab your gun and go looking for something? Or if you really think there's a bad guy in your house who wants to kill you, do you really want to go searching through your house to find that guy? <laughs> right. Or are you better off? I'm going to take myself and the people I care about. We're going to barricade ourselves inside of a room and we're going to call 911. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those things are things that people, those are like tactics and skills. I don't like the last option. Pieces. <laughs> I don't like the last <laughs> don't really option. Think yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, uh, kind of a practical question here. Um, when you sent out, uh, the holsters to us, um, sure. uh, I, I put on, I, I like to carry, I like to pack in the front, in the front hip. Um, and I, I put on your, your holster and put, put all the, uh, put the right, um, uh, uh, Clips. clips on and everything and uh and when i when i put on my front holster i notice it doesn't pinch like other concealed carry holsters that i've i've used in the in the past um okay when you say pinch what do you mean by that well you know when you sit down sometimes some of the previous some of the holsters i've used in the past okay when you, when you sit down on that front hip you sound um, like a doctor well, when you say pinch, pinch. What, do you, what do you mean by that the, the, gun, <laughs> the gun in the holster would have room a little bit and it would kind of pinch your skin uh-huh. um and uh, but um, so I, I anyways that's a kudos there. But secondly, I like carrying in my front hip, but it still makes me nervous because there's just other things below that front hip that just makes me nervous. Um, how do you how do you kind of uh, organize your gun in such a way where you feel comfortable on the front hip? Um, sure. So for uh, I don't think appendix carries for everybody. Um, and in fact, I you know hopefully it's for people who are very thoughtful about it. Um, if you if you have a the holster if the holster is designed correctly. There's no time where you're actually going to be pointing the gun at yourself, mm-hmm. um, as long as you do the skills correctly Certainly. and the yeah. holster is designed correctly. I've and noticed so that the it's wedge good. on the velo is designed to push so the muzzle pointing. out away from the body, yeah. Yeah. and that's to aid in concealment, but it's also a safety issue. Yeah, um, yeah. I've never seen that margin, on any other, on other gun. Is that something unique to you? To yours? You carry appendix, right? So it's like I'm not pointing the gun at myself, but if I do something wrong, I do point the gun at myself mistakenly. Like I'm pointing the gun certainly at things that I definitely don't want to yeah. um, be shooting. Yeah, that's that's great, and that's, that's what David actually was talk, as you're talking. He was actually pointing at the uh, at that wedge, yeah, and saying, yep. "This is what you're talking about right here, Gabe. Yep. This is the yep. thing. Yep. Yeah, that's the design. Yep, yep. So, so there's an integrated muzzle wedge that um, pushes the muzzle away from from the your lower pelvis and also helps to rotate the grip of the gun into the body to aid in concealment, and that is. Um, a comfort thing, a safety thing, yeah. and a concealment thing. Yeah. I like that. Is that something that was unique to you that you've developed in your whole system? Um, uh, not 100%. There are other variations of it. I mean, I certainly wouldn't claim that I'm the first person to do that at all. Yeah. Um, I think my take on it is different than other folks. I absolutely so agree. <laughs> other folks have done multi-angle wedges, but not with the same angle. Um, and I mean, basically, I mean, I've seen other folks out there with different wedges, whether they are molded into the holster or something you add on after the fact. Ugh. Um, and they, those, their versions just haven't performed how I thought it should perform. Um, and I really kind of thought, you know, really, where do I want the gun to sit? Yeah. Like where's my end state and then kind of designing the holster to get to the end state is how I've thought about it. Whereas I think a lot of folks think about it the other way of just like, this is my holster and trying to add things yeah. onto it without well, really thinking through where, where you're trying to get. Well, before we called you, I, I was watching a video and just all the detail 
um, and thought that you put into designing your holsters is really interesting. I mean, you know, like I said, when I asked my original question, some of it's just so lost on me. But then when I put it on, it all it all just it just works. It makes yeah. sense. So kudos, kudos to you and your engineering. You can watch the video at tenacore.com. Yep. Yep. That's right. Um, I, I remember we, we interviewed a guy not too long ago who was the vice president of um, uh, one of the big N-A-G-R. Uh, uh, yeah, National Gun Association. Or gun something Rights like that. Association. Um, but yeah. and I, I really appreciated his point about just uh, point <laughs> when we asked him some of the same questions about the importance of self defense and home defense. Yeah, he went right to First Timothy five and and uh, um, and just said. You know, um, the Bible says that uh, um, if you know if you don't provide if your own household, yeah, you're worse than an unbeliever. <laughs> the, the idea of actually protecting your home, um, I, I agree that not everybody is called to to um, carry a gun. Carry a gun yeah, yeah. But I think the idea that it's a basic Christian duty for a man to, to protect his house and yeah. his family yeah. um, is a, mm-hmm. is a real base. I mean, that's and if and the man who's not willing to do that, not willing to think through what that means. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Paul says. As, is worse than an un- unbeliever and has denied the faith. Um, it's, a, it's a basic duty of Christians to think about protection and defense. Yeah. And it's a, partic- it's a particular Amen. duty of Christian men. So I'm really grateful for your work on this, Jeff, and, uh, and thanks for uh, your support of Cross Politics. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yep. want to point our audience to cross, uh, to tenacore.com, um, Slash discount <clears throat> slash cross politic where you can get why are you throwing stuff at me? That's the they get a patch oh, too. And, and you order one yeah, of these. Yeah, they get an awesome cross politic patch. Yeah, yes, you get it. And they are awesome. That, okay, that's right. They, that's why you're throwing it at <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> it's awesome. Get one. <laughs> and that's the only way you can get a cross politic patch. You can't yeah. get this yeah. anywhere else except I, for tenacore.com. Tenacore.com. What's the website again? Forward slash, slash discount forward slash cross politic to get your ten percent discount. Ten percent discount. And yep. the or awesome you can just patch. enter cross politic in at checkout. Yeah. Okay. okay. I recommend if you do carry a gun, get a Glock, like he says. And then <laughs> get, get this holster to go with it. It has absolutely been uh, amazing. Yeah. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is cross politic. Things are changing in the culture and in the church. Issues of race and justice have polarized many of us. And we're left wondering at least these two questions. How did we get here? And why is God allowing this to happen? Well, the answer can be found on a project called The Appendix by Pastor Kirk Kennedy. This is an album and documentary. The Appendix can be found at the iTunes Store, Amazon, and Wrath and Grace.com. Wrath and Grace.